Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Emily. And I'm Paige. And we are both actual ghosts haunting the Swan property, wondering what the fuck this weird-ass kid vampire is doing here. Why is he in a tree? And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Toilet. How are you doing today, Emily? How, how are you feeling? You, like, just totally threw me off, because I, I always ask that question. And I'm a new woman. I was not prepared. Um, I'm doing fine. Um, think about how I gotta go grocery shopping after we record this. Serious? Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. It's one of those weeks, man. It's fine. I'm like, I actually kind of like grocery shopping when it's not COVID times. I think it's like kind of fun. <laughs> and I'm hoping there will be no one there because it's you know later at night. So. I feel that way, but in the morning. I like going grocery shopping really early, like 7 a.m., because no one is there. And, you know, sure, there's a couple people stocking, but, you know, it's pretty quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other than that, I'm good. Like, this is, like, my main struggle, which is a good struggle to have compared to a lot of other struggles. But people lately have just been like, what, what's new? What have you been up to? And I legit am like, uh. I had some broccoli earlier. Like, I have nothing. Nothing is going on. I'm just working and working out and doing yoga and working on this podcast. That's about it. I mean, are you happy? Are you? Do you feel? Do you feel okay with that? Yeah, I'm fine with it. I mean, I'm about ready for COVID to be done so I can see my friends. But I'm lucky to be employed, have a nice place to be living in. My family's healthy. Fingers crossed that stays the same. So I'd say I'd say can't complain. Yeah, I, I'd say there's no shame in nothing going on. I never have anything going on. Um, I not to not to disclose too much information, but I did go to a job interview today and they asked me what I do for self-care. Um and I was like, I just, I hang out at home. Uh, <laughs> I like to read, <laughs> you know, just anything where I'm with myself. I really love that, you know, just away from everyone, you know, where it's quiet. I, like it, everything I said made me sound really boring, but I'm like, that's what, that's what makes me happy. That's what, that's what brings me a sense of feeling recharged is just being by myself at home, not feeling like I have to put a mask on or be someone other than who I am. You know, I'm like, that's, that's my self-care for me. Yeah. I think that's 100% a good thing. But I, I was going to say when you were like, I never have anything going on. I'm like, girl, you just had a badass job interview today. So how are you? Tell me about yourself. <laughs> well, I feel good about all of that. Um, today was a pretty good day. I did get a nice Valentine's Day card from my aunts, who I love so much. And my sister had told me, um, I saw her this weekend, but she had told me that she had posted on her Snapchat story that she was drinking something out of a bowl because she didn't have any cups because she's in college. And one of my aunts is friends with her on Snapchat and was like, do you need cups? I'll mail you cups. And she was like, I mean, I don't, I don't need cups. Don't feel like you have to buy cups for me. And she's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll buy you cups. And then her and my other aunt, their sisters, um, sent her three boxes filled with care package things, which I love. I love that. I love both of them so much. And that's just, that's very them. But only one of them has showed up so far. And it was like, a million things in there like plates 
bowls. There was no cups, by the way. It was just a bunch of other crazy things. And she's like, what are the other two boxes going to have? Because the, the first one was filled with things. And then she, my mom was also there and she, they had told my mom after we sent the third box, we were like, should we send Paige something? And so they sent me a card with a Target gift card in it. And it was, it was very, very generous. And I was not expecting that. And it just, it really made my day. So I was already having a good day. And then I opened that card and it gotten even better. And yeah, it was pretty good. That's awesome. You did mention before we went on air, um, but wouldn't tell me anything that you had a crisis today. What was it? Okay, so basically, long story short, um, something weird is going on with my roommate Millie's online um, tenants, like paying for rent online kind of a thing. So I had paid my my half of the rent, but she hadn't paid hers because she was having issues. And she was like, hey, can I just, you know, Venmo you the money and then you pay it from your end since you're not having issues? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fine. But she was having some issues with her bank, so we did it over PayPal instead of Venmo. And I've never done anything on PayPal, really, except buy things. So she sent me the money, and then it was like, okay, I'm putting it on this this thing. And it had the four numbers, like the end numbers of, you know, like your account or your card or whatever. And so I was like, yeah, great. If it's on my PayPal, like it's it's something that I own, you know. And then I confirmed it. And then I went into my Wells Fargo account and I was like, these numbers, this number is not my checking account and not my like credit account. I don't know what this four these four numbers are. I have no idea what it is. Couldn't find it, was not showing up on my bank account. And we did instant, like instant transfer. So it should have gone right to my checking account. So we both started freaking out, obviously, because it's rent. It's a like a large portion of money. It's, obviously very stressful. So I'm like, let me, let me call Wells Fargo. Let me see if we can figure this out. I call Wells Fargo. I just want to say shout out. I do not remember her name, but the, the adult woman who answered the phone, she's my guardian angel. I explained the situation and she's like, okay, well, if you could read me the, um, the numbers on your credit card or on your visa card, so we can get this sorted out. So I grab my visa card. I read the whole card number. And she was like, okay, so what's the, what's the problem you're having? And I'm like, I just, you know, I don't know which bank account the money got sent to because the four numbers don't match my bank account numbers. And she was like, your bank account or your card? And I was like, wait. And then I looked at the card, literally the card I just read the numbers for and realized that the last four numbers on my debit card were the numbers from what Millie transferred money to. And I realized that my account number is a completely different number than my actual Visa card number. And I like the the sound that was coming out of my mouth while I was talking to her was and like the gears were turning in my head as I was doing the math. And I was like, I am so sorry. I'm just now realizing that everything is okay. I'm just now realizing that these are two completely different numbers that I'm looking at right now and that everything is actually fine. I'm sorry if I wasted your time. And she was like, 
look, we did it together. We, you just had to, you just had to say it out loud. You had to talk it through. And I was like, you're right. I did. You know, it makes a lot of sense to me now. I thank you for that. And she was like, anytime, hun. She was just, she was so nice. And then like, as soon as I figured all that out, I refreshed my Wells Fargo page and the money was there. So it just like had taken a couple minutes, you know, and it was like, okay, great. I thought that the world had ended, but as it turns out, everything was fine. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> I love that story so much. I love a good encounter with, I feel like I'm famous for my good encounters with customer service agents. I literally had another good one yesterday. I called my insurance company because what happened was I switched pharmacies because my, um, I used to be with Walgreens and my prescription just kept going up and up in price. And I was like, the fuck is this? So I called my insurance and they're like, yeah, you got to go to CVS. We ha- we partner with them. It's cheaper there. And I'm like, okay. So I switched all my shit over to, C- to CVS this weekend. And then when I went to go pick it up, or I actually got a call from the lady and she asked me a question about my birth control. And then I was like, is it still free? And she's like, yeah, all your medicine's free. And I was like, uh, excuse me? And she's like, yeah, I'm showing no no fee for you at all. And they had filled everything 90-day supply. So I was just like drowning in SSRIs. They even filled one of my SSRIs that I'm not even on anymore. I told them and I they like trashed it. But I'm like, I could have just had everything <laughs> for free. So anyways, I called my insurance company yesterday, which I know seems like a goody two-shoes move because it is, to be like, did somebody mess up? What's going on here? But the only reason I called them is because I have had so many issues with my primary care provider. Literally no one cares. But they are billing me right now. I have a bill right now for a service in January of 2020. So I'm like, I do not want to be dealing with this a year down the road because somebody messed up. I have two insurance policies. So for some reason, that's like fucking rocket scientists, everyone. So I call the insurance and I'm like, what's going on here? So she like looks at my account. She's like, yeah, it shows that you were supposed to pay. Maybe they had like a coupon going. And I'm like, a coupon for antidepressants? <laughs> and she, I was like, check my other coverage, which is under my mom. And she's like, oh yeah, that could be it. So she like signs out, signs back in, looks at my stuff. And she's like, yeah, it's free under your mom's plan. And like not thinking, I was like, ooh, my mom's got the hookup. And she lost it. I love that and also I just wanted to say right before we started the pod Emily was reading me the breakdown of all of the countries that listen to this podcast or have downloaded episodes and a lot of those places have uh, socialized medicine and I just want to say if anyone out there wants to marry me so I can move to your country to have some of your free insulin I would love to come. For real. You guys know that movie, The Proposal? You know how it's cute. Ryan Reynolds, Sandra Bullock. That could be us, but you playing. You could play. I. You could cheat on me a million times, but if, you know, we could live our, we could be married and live our own happy lives, you know, doing our own things. Whatever you want to do, just as long as I get that, you know, she's a, a member of this country kind of a thing. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Anyways, I did not mean to supersede your story with my story. That is hilarious, and I love that lady. I love her, too. I She really made my day because, like, any other person probably would have... I mean, maybe she thought I was stupid. I I was being stupid. But 
she was so nice and it made me like literally laugh out loud and just validate like you know sometimes you just have to talk it out loud and talk yourself through it it's fine like that's what we need is support even when we mess up yes definitely I feel like she was like a like a Cindy yeah that sounds right <laughs> so this week we read two very short chapters were you were you shook by how short they were the first one I thought was regular I would say the first one had like a decent length the second one was very short I was surprised by the shortness of the second one yeah me too yeah I think you're right chapter seven was um pretty normal but anyways we read chapters seven and eight melody and ghost so what did you think of these chapters Paige all right everyone put your drinks down this may come as a shock I was very pro Edward in both of these chapters. I was, I felt very positive about him in both of these chapters. Really? Yeah, I did. Why? (laughs) I don't know, maybe I was just in a mood when I was reading, but like in Melody, I just like, my heart kind of went out to him. Like I, I really felt empathetic towards him like that he was going he what he's going through is really hard and he's trying so hard to not feel the way that he is but like he has no control over it and I feel like I've been not necessarily that exact situation but I I could see myself sort of in those shoes and I just kind of felt bad and then in the second chapter ghost I mean sure he's watching her but that's kind of a normal at this point like it's bad and we all know I don't like that but just his his attitude about like taking an absolute dump on Mike and like calling Mike out for what he is I was very pro that and the way that he positively talked about her and that he I mean okay I know I know he's been kind of disrespectful towards her and that he's watching her all the time but that he like had some restraint in how he was watching her that it sounds embarrassing that I'm I'm uh defending the good act out of his bad acts but I don't know I just I saw a good out of him these chapters that I wasn't seeing in other chapters so I did I liked it I I liked both of them yeah, I gotta admit, I'm excited because I feel like you're coming around to Edward, and I mean, you and I have a lot of the same issues with him, you know, but I feel like he's kind of like my problematic friend, like I know he's got hella issues, but I still got a soft spot for him, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I think that the more chapters I read, the more I feel, not that I'm drawn to his side, but at least I'm getting his perspective and I'm not getting just the weirdness from Bella's eyes. I'm getting his actual thought process behind everything, which is helping me like him more. Yeah, definitely. And I think we talked about this when we were covering Twilight, but that's what I love about like first person narratives is like, you really, I feel like you develop so much more empathy for the person, the narrator, because you can't help. Like, I feel like it's a natural response. Yeah, I agree. All right, should we jump in? Let's do it, honey. I actually don't have that many notes this time. Also, did you see that Instagram story that I posted that was like, I don't know how y'all do that nine to five shit. And it was our Patreon that had $4.15 in it. 
<laughs> I I had to hold my finger on it to read it because like I think I was in bed when I was looking at it like I was like kind of a little drowsy and I was like the words don't match the image I don't understand and I was like Paige that's the point like that's why it's like that <laughs> the best part is I didn't even transfer it after that I was like I'm just gonna leave it in there <laughs> look wealth grows when you leave it it accumulates um what's the opposite of interest like interest but in a good way interest can be a good thing oh okay well then maybe that's what I mean yeah like every once in a while in my savings account I get like four cents because of how much money I have in my savings account I know it's such bullshit I have like a special savings account that's supposed to get interest all the time and every month I get a dollar and 74 cents I'm like cool thank you (laughs) I'm going to go buy an Arizona iced tea. <laughs> For real. Um, also, I want to say that you're a prophet because you were talking about stonks a couple weeks before this all popped off. So congrats. The amount of stonk, the meme that I described, the amount of times I then saw it like in a BuzzFeed article or just on my Facebook timeline or on my Instagram in Instagram stories. I'm like, <laughs> I freaking called it. They need to hire me in the market, baby. For real. Also, you know Alice Cullen, if she was real, would be all over this stonk shit. I mean, I know they're embezzling, so they would have been like, give me that Doge stonk, give me that AMC stonk, give me that GameStop stonk, I got it. (laughs) That's a mouthful, GameStop stonk. (laughs) Game stonk. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's cover this dang chapter. So... Um, we left off with the last chapter with Edward dropping Bella off at her house after the whole blood typing incident. And he's sitting in his car just contemplating stuff. Um, basically he's thinking about like physical attraction and he is kind of having fantasies about Bella. They're not like, um, lewd or anything like that, which is good. Um, but it hurts, it pains him to have these thoughts because of his Edwardness of always being like, I cannot think this way. I cannot have feelings. So I don't know if you've already skipped to the second page. Um, it's kind of it's kind of incorporated in. But he says, My pursuit of her was indefensible. What kind of relationship could I offer her when I couldn't risk touching her? I hung my head in my hands. That's really that killed me. Like that was the thing that I read where I was like, oh. Well, I feel a little sad now because, like, I've been in relation. No, I take that back. I have not been in relationships. I've had crushes on people where they tell me I don't feel the same way. I don't want to be, I don't want to have anything with you. And you can't, as a person, you don't just automatically be like, okay, well, I don't have feelings for you anymore. Sorry, it's over. You know, I'm done with it. Like, you have to come to grips with, I can't be with them. They don't want me and I shouldn't have these thoughts anymore. I can't, I can't, I can't want them anymore. They don't want me, but it's so hard to stop yourself from having those thoughts or feelings. So even though I can't put myself in Edward's shoes because it's a completely different situation, I did kind of get that feeling where you don't want to want someone, but you do want someone and you feel guilty for wanting them, but there's like nothing you can do feeling feeling 
like you you have no control over the situation over your own feelings that he's saying are completely foreign to him he doesn't even know how to deal with these feelings he's never felt them before so I'm kind of I feel I feel like I can relate a little bit to Edward in this situation yeah me too I've also been there um and you were right also when you predicted, you know, that he had never kind of felt this. He goes into almost like a reflection on his human life. And I was curious on your thoughts on his opinion of his human life, you know, because he he kind of describes it as like, I don't want to say meaningless, but it's kind of just like all he cared about was joining the war. And he says, I had just vague impressions of those human years, murky memories that became less real with every passing decade. He only really remembers his mom. So what did you think about that? It kind of made sense to me. I, I'm sorry. I'm not super into the history of this time period, but he's like in the early 1900s, right? This is when he was alive. What war is he referencing? World War One. Okay. Um, I mean, knowing what I know about not necessarily wartime propaganda, but almost like the advertisement of being in the military, of serving your country, especially in the 1900s and like in the early to mid 1900s i don't i don't doubt what he said at all like i think that i could 100% see a 17 year old being that's all i want to do that i want to i want that's the job that i want to have i want to take that route i want to serve my country and i want to be honorable having his his mom be like i don't know if that's i you know it seems dangerous i don't know if i want you to do that and just being blinded by well that's what I want to do that's that's what we all want to do right now that's what that's what the cool thing is right now so I I completely I was like that seems right to me yeah yeah that makes sense um so as he's having these kind of reminiscing thoughts his siblings show up and they end up well Alice gets Bella's truck key and they end up taking her truck back to her house and when they get home, he kind of describes what they do as their pastimes. So Emmett and Jasper have this insane game of chess with eight boards. Alice is designing something for Rosalie's wardrobe. And Rosalie starts watching the TV and she's in a bad mood and we'll find out why pretty soon. Um, but I was curious, what would you do more of if you couldn't sleep? Like they legit cannot sleep. They have so much free time. Oh man, there's so many video games I want to play. I would do all of the video games. And I mean, they have they have all the money, so I could get every single video game I've ever wanted. And there's so many of my video games that I've played 20 times, 30 times that I still love. And there's many games that I have not finished, haven't accomplished all the things that I wanted to in those games. So I think that that would be my, that's what I would do. Nice. I like that. I feel like I would try to, like, learn a skill. I feel like I have, like, no skills. <laughs> I mean, I know that's not true, but, like, I just feel like I don't know any musical instruments. I don't know how to do any art. Like, it'd be cool to learn another language. Like, just something that, like, is interesting. You know what I mean? Learning another language, definitely. I have been 
Um, I don't know if you've ever tried the app Memrise, but it's really, really great. If you did want to try and learn another language, I would 100% recommend it. You have to pay like, I want to say $30 for a year long subscri subscription for it. And if you use it, I'd say it's worth it. I one year I paid for it. And then I think I used it like four times. When I used it, I I really loved it. It was so helpful. They had videos of people saying sentence like the same sentence, but like four different people. So you hear different sort of accents of the same language or different inflections of the same things. Um, I've been flirting with the idea of paying for it again, but I'm like, do you have $30 page? No, you don't. You don't need it right now. But again, me flirting with the idea that maybe I'll be making 19 an hour. I'm like, maybe I maybe I will. Maybe I will. We'll see. We'll see. I love that. Yeah, that sounds like a cool app. What would you be your first language, do you think? I have been trying to teach myself Norwegian for like the past five years. Um, and I, I mean, I do, I have retained a lot of it, but I always reach a point where it's like, I get busy and then I just stop using the apps because I use Duolingo all the time, you know, when I get into my mood of wanting to get back into it because Duolingo is free. Um, but I haven't gotten to like the past tense or the future tense. Like I know, I know a lot of vocab and I know a lot of basic sentence structure, but I haven't really reached a point where I'm like, I feel like I could confidently go to Norway and get around and feel safe, you know? Um, but that would be like, I, I would love to be fluent in that because I'm, I've already dedicated enough time that I'm like, I need to, I need to, I need to feel more confident in it. Yeah. That'd be really cool. I used to know a lot of Spanish. I wouldn't say, well, I feel like there's shades of the word fluent. <laughs> I feel like I could have made it living in a Spanish speaking country. Um, but I've lost so much of it. It'd be nice to have that back. But if I was going to do a whole new language, I would love to do Greek. I have a Greek tattoo and my family is Greek in heritage. And plus Greek would be cool because it helps you understand. I mean, not as much as Latin would, but there are a lot of words in English that have Greek origins. So it'd be cool. One, I didn't know you had a Greek tattoo. What do you have a Greek tattoo of? If that's okay of me asking. You know what it is. You've seen it. Um, it's on my hip and it's a cross and there's four Greek letters. Um, the, phrase that I wanted to get was impossible is nothing um, but it's for that phrase is four words in Greek so I just got the first letter of each of the words because it's really long in Greek so I didn't want that much on me I feel like I I remember that I just thought that the letters were like Roman numerals or like I, I thought that it was something not Greek I thought it was a completely different thing so yeah. okay that makes sense you learned something new about me today. Yeah. I did know the other week I learned that you were Greek. So I'm like, oh, more, more fun Greek bits. What's your favorite Greek meal? Euros or baklava. I can't have baklava anymore because it has chocolate in it. But baklava is so fucking good. I know it's basic, but I love euros. I love lamb. Love, love tzatziki sauce. Lamb is good. Um, we used to have lamb a lot at my home, but... It was like like a two or three year long thing where it was like we had lamb on like Wednesdays or something. And then we just stopped. And I don't know why. Yeah, 
it's weird how like you have these habits and then like a year later you remember that you don't have them anymore and you're like when did I stop doing that yeah it was it was I was young enough that I was just like okay whatever like I guess we're not doing that but now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like why did we stop doing that and I mean I don't remember anyone in my family not liking it weird lamb is delicious <laughs> So, um, Edward, for his part, starts playing the piano, which it's clear he hasn't done in a while, and it makes Esme extremely happy because she loves when he plays, and he starts, um, well, while he was sitting in his car at school, he was composing um, some music, and it's obviously about Bella. It's obviously Bella's lullaby, which is what um, Paige had predicted last time, and um when he starts doing this, he catches a thought of Rosalie's and he realizes what is wrong with her. Um, so she actually ends up storming out of the room and then he actually addresses to the reader what it is in a few pages. So we'll get to that in a bit. But I wanted to say, like, I really think it's interesting listening to him picturing the scene of Bella's lullaby and like, I don't know. I just think it's cool. And I really love the end and how he was like, this is on page 147. Um, but I could see the conclusion now with Alice's voice rising above the tune and taking it to another place. I could see how the song must end because the sleeping girl was perfect just the way she was and any change at all would be wrong, a sadness. I don't know. I just like that. I like it. And I feel like, I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I really saw the entire Bella situation mirrored in the song that he he sees where the song has to go to have the ending that seems right to him and it may make him sad but like he said it shouldn't be changed it the sleeping girl shouldn't be changed and the fact that Alice is there accompanying him and kind of helping him along the way just further makes me think that the entire situation with Bella and what Alice has seen in the future with them is being mirrored by this particular part of the book. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. That's cool. Um, Esme obviously recognizes the sad ending. And so they have this kind of um, conversation sort of, she's just thinking and then Edward makes a few comments out loud, but it always slays me that she says, um where is it you are the best and brightest of us all I'm like say that out loud Esme your other kids would be so fucking pissed what is this <laughs> I cannot get over it not just this scene but any of the scenes where there's multiple people in the Cullen family with Edward and he's having not even a conversation but sort of a half-sided conversation with someone I'm like what is this house like like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna interpret what a day in the life of being in the Cullen household is but really what's going on is Esme walking down the stairs so Edward, what do you want to have for breakfast today? And then Edward just like nods his head in one direction. And Esme's like, oh, eggs, I see. I'll I'll happily make you some eggs. Thank you for letting me know that. And then he does one little, 
with his nose and she's like look you don't need to be so grumpy with me I'll I would be happy to make you the eggs like it's just dead ass silent but there's a whole conversation going on and then I'm just sitting there in the other room like you guys gonna say anything what what is happening right now it just it seems as a ghost watching the situation from the air that there's no talking ever in this household yeah, I can see why Emmett's so frustrated now all the time. Also, I'm dead that you're in your scenario she's cooking him eggs when they don't eat food. I forgot. <laughs> it's like, do you want some fresh deer blood <laughs> or whatever? Um, Edward's favorite food is mountain lions, so maybe you should get your pack straight. I'm impressed that you remember that. Good job. There's a, The scene is about to happen in like a couple pages where they're consuming animals so still it's the details I do remember in Twilight I think I think it's Bella asks like what his favorite food is and he's like mountain lion and I just remember thinking that like the imagery of like a sinewy mountain lion sort of next uh next to alongside Edward being muscular like sleek looking I just I that it's very burned in my brain. <laughs> Can't relate. Glad it's not burned into mine. I think it might be now that you said that. <laughs> um, so Alice tries to get the answer out of Edward about what Rosalie was um upset about, and he refuses to tell her, which is a good move, and I think, you know, good manners on his part. Um, because the deal is that she's offended that. Edward has finally found someone that he is physically attracted to and finds beautiful. And Rosalie had basically figured because she's, I mean, she considers herself and is probably correct that she's like one of the most gorgeous human beings on the planet or not human, but you know what I mean? Living beings on the planet. Like she figured that if he wasn't into her, he must not, you know, be into that at all. And now that he's into Bella, she's just like, her ego has been wounded. What do you think about that situation? This part, I remember reading this whole bit and feeling very, like, unhappy about it and feeling disgruntled about it. But I couldn't really pinpoint why I felt so upset after reading it. Um, I read it again a second time before we um called because I just wanted to refresh myself on the material and two things crossed my mind and one is you know it's been so emphasized again and again that Rosalie knows that she's beautiful and that's the that's her thing is that she's into her appearance and she knows it and I mean Look, if you have your thing and you're into beauty and you're into making yourself look nice, I don't really have a problem with that if that's what you're into. You know, if that's what you like to do, you like to do makeup, you like to do hair, whatever. If someone were to like my thing, I like to I like to make jokes. I like to I like to know that people think that I'm funny. The people who have outspokenly told me that they don't think that I'm funny, I don't like those people. Because it's like it's going against the one thing that I feel like I'm really good at and the one thing that I feel like I've been excelling at my whole life. And it's almost like there's nothing I can do to change their mind. Like if they don't like me now, then there's nothing that they're going to like about me in the future. So I kind of get it. 
I kind of see where Rosalie's coming from. But I think what made me so upset, the more that I thought about it, I just, you know, women are encouraged and almost forced to be so interested in what they look like and how they are perceived by everyone else, especially men, in almost every single aspect of their lives, all the time, from a very young age up until basically their whole lives. And I just don't understand why when they suddenly then kind of take that and be like, okay, great. I, I think I'm beautiful. And, you know, I'm owning that. That is what I am. I am beautiful. I look good. Then suddenly it's a crime. Why is that? Why is it so bad that she's okay with being beautiful? She accepts that and she owns it and says, yes, I do look good. And, you know, if you don't like that, then that kind of makes me upset. Like me with my jokes, I, I feel like I would be upset if someone didn't like what I think that I excel at and what I think that I'm the best at. And like I said, I just, I feel like there's such an emphasis on women need to look this way. And then suddenly she's like, well, I do look this way and I'm confident about it. And then she's beaten down by expressing that. I don't know. That's what, the more I thought about it, I was just like, I just don't really feel angry at her for being confident in herself. I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm biased because I know you really like Rosalie and I feel, and you've said that she's been injustice a lot and I, I fully support you. And I know that what you say, I would probably support too. So I'm like, I'm trying to find as much good out of it as I can. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think Rosalie has really done anything wrong here. So I'm kind of team Rosalie here. I could not agree more with everything that you just said. And I feel like Stephanie Meyer, like, I've, I, I'm pretty sure I've said this before, but it's like she's trying her best to make us hate Rosalie, and I just will not do it. Like, to me, it's sexist to shame other women, like you said, for, you know, enjoying their own appearance, capitalizing on their own appearance. Like, it's just sexist and it's annoying and it's so tired too. Like in every freaking rom-com that is set in high school, it's like the pretty girl is the bitch. And it's like, I'm not even that pretty of a girl and I'm sick of that fucking shit. So it's like, I'm just like, be more creative. I'm sick of this. There just seems to be a lot of very anti-women who are just trying to be themselves in this series. Like, Bella is put onto this pedestal, and Bella is a great character. I'm not, I'm not doubting that, but there's so much emphasis on, well, she's not like the other girls. She doesn't wear makeup. She, like, does this. She has no care about her appearance. She's ordinary, but she's beautiful. And then there's Jessica, who's a very normal high school girl, I would say. There's not really anything super abnormal about her and we're she's very villainized we're supposed to very dislike her in this book and I mean I kind of disliked her in Twilight I feel like just because of how everything was worded like I she didn't really do anything too horrible in Twilight but I still felt like I 
wasn't supposed to like her. And then in this book, you're definitely not supposed to like her. And Rosalie, in this book, you're 100%. She's just painted in such a horrible light. It's like, why are we, why do we need to paint women in this light? You know, I don't understand what you're trying to capitalize on, on throwing almost every woman under the bus here. Yeah, and the contrast between the other vampires is interesting, too, because it's been made very clear that all these people are beautiful. That's their thing. It's what makes Bella notice them in the first place. But with Esme, it's okay, because she's motherly. And with Alice, it's okay, because she's quirky. But with Rosalie, like you said, it's a fucking crime, because... She's hot and she likes to tune up cars. Like, which by the way, that's badass. That is cool. I feel like that happened in spite of Stephanie Meyer's intentions, not because of them, that she likes fixing up cars because that is definitely like a turn on like typical gender roles. But still, this whole situation is yuck. I agree. I I did make a note that I 100% loved that Rosalie is really into mechanics. I mean, I don't know if she's really into mechanics, but the fact that she's even remotely interested, I just thought it was so outside of the character that Stephanie has built her up as. I mean, I don't know if there's more information to have had later where you kind of find out she's into cars, but that was kind of a surprising detail. I was not expecting that to happen. And then also very shortly following that, you hear that Esme is also kind of really into technology, like designing new things for the house to like install. I just, I love women in STEM. That's just, that's just a side note, but I'm like, great, put more, put more women into those roles. I love that. Yes, definitely. (sighs) So anyways, I, I was very curious about your thoughts, what what your thoughts were going to be on the Rosalie situation. So it's pretty cool that we're on the same page. I'm really uh, glad that I did read it a second time because, like I said, the first time I read it, I it rubbed me a wrong way, but I just couldn't put my finger on it. Like, why am I feeling upset? I I know I'm supposed to dislike this this trait, this character that's being painted, but like, I do, but I don't. Why Why am I feeling this way? And then the second time I was like, I don't. I don't, I don't like, or I don't not like her. You know, I, I think I was feeling weird because you tried to make me feel weird. Like you tried to force this on me and I don't want it, you know? 100%. So kind of in the aftermath of all this, um, Alice gets a vision that a couple of his buddies are going to be visiting town, Peter and Charlotte. And it's so interesting. This is like a Tanya thing all over again, because it's like, I was kind of like, how much are they going to give away? And they do give away a little bit um, that we'll talk about a little bit later. But what was your kind of impression of these two and their visit? I mean, at this point in the book, you don't know hardly anything. It's just there's two characters coming. It gave me a very similar Tanya vibe where it's like, I'm supposed to know know more about these people than I actually do know. And I mean, like you said, we get a little more information later, but... I just got the vibe that there are characters that occur later that you, it's implied that if you've read the series, you know exactly who they are. Yeah. It's definitely weird the way that we're doing it, but I think it's working. It hasn't been ruined. I don't, I mean, there's the bit about Maria a little bit later, but I still don't really know a lot about that story. I know a a general kind of, this happened, they had to move. Maria's kind of wonky. But I don't really know any of the details, so I don't think anything's been ruined. Yeah, definitely not. 
they I actually don't even know what happened with Maria where they had to move. That's the only time that incident is mentioned. Interesting. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. But we'll talk about her when we get to there. Um so when Emmett or sorry, when Edward finds out that Peter and Charlotte are coming to visit, he decides to leave early with Emmett so that he can be back in time to keep an eye on Bella because Peter and Charlotte are not vegetarians. Um, so then they kind of change scenes to this hunting trip with Emmett. Did you know already that he was mauled by a bear? Was that brought up in Twilight? Yes, because it's talked about, um, I think I think Edward is talking to Bella about his family and he brings up that Rosalie found Emmett and carried him the whatever 60 miles um after being mauled like in the forest so I didn't know that yeah okay that's cool I couldn't remember because there's actually an an outtake from Twilight you know like a almost like a blooper that she didn't put in the book um that's called Emmett and the Bear so I was like was that even ever mentioned so anyway Maybe I'll share that with you at some point. There's a lot of outtakes for Twilight, actually. Um, so this is kind of just a slightly entertaining, depending on what you're into, um, scene of Emmett just, like, fighting this bear off and kind of, like, taking the time to sort of have fun with it. And then he tries to fight Edward um, and says that he never fights bear because he can read minds. And Edward reminds him, you know, I can't, like, turn that off. <laughs> and then they kind of go into this discussion on why Edward is being so fucking crazy. And he's basically just like, do you know like all the things that could happen to a human? Like it's insane. Like she could die at any moment. And at that point, Emma is kind of like, well, why don't you change her? And he says, it solves your worries about immortality, doesn't it? And then you wouldn't want to kill her either. Isn't that the best way? And Edward says, for me or for her? Emmett says, for you, which I've always talked about. He's totally a pragmatist. He just does whatever thinks he thinks works the best. Um, and Edward says, wrong answer. Emmett says, I didn't mind so much. And Edward says, Rosalie did. And Emmett kind of sighs and said, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's just a reminder that it, when I when I read this part, it just reminded me that maybe what Carlisle did isn't isn't for the best. I mean, I I don't think it is, but if you are if you're kind of siding with Carlisle, it's like, well, one member in this family has been unhappy for a really long time, and that's because of literally this exact thing so I 100% see I'm 100% on Edward's side that it just it seems wrong to make that decision for someone else just in the moment well I'm attracted to her and it would solve all of my problems if she was changed but what about what she wants what about you know because at this point you know we haven't gotten into Bella what Bella doesn't know and Bella hasn't really even made this decision for herself. So if, like, yeah, if Edward was like, okay, you're right, Edward, I'm going to change her right now, that would be completely against what she would want. She hasn't not made that decision for herself. So I, I'm team Edward on this. I agree. And it's kind of crazy that Edward says, we both knew that Rosalie would do anything, give up anything, if it meant she could be human again. Anything. Even Emmett. Like, that's, to me, that is the starkest thing yet 
like she would give up this person that she loves more than anything in the world yeah that reading that it was it was kind of like a gut punch like damn that Rosalie must have very 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 strong feelings about this yeah it's crazy so then Emmett asks her or asks Edward kind of a practical question like how are you going to be with her if you can't even interact with her physically which makes sense because as Edward explains Emmett and Rosalie share an intensely physical love and I kind of feel for Edward here like you said earlier because he's like I have no idea yeah I on the same note when I read this I was like I wonder what everyone in the Collins family love, what their love language is, because Emmett is so clearly a physical love kind of a person, the physical touch, he has to do it. I'm like, I don't even know anything about Edward. I don't know what he would do. And so I was just kind of thinking about it. I'm like, well, Rosalie would probably be words of affirmation or acts of service. I don't know. Um, I was just going through it. I'm like, I know that this was not the point of what this was, but it was just a fun tangent that I had. Yeah, that's funny. It's kind of like thinking about different characters, like Enneagram types. Mm-hmm. Or their Hogwarts um, house yep. placement. Yep. For sure. So this scene kind of ends when um, Edward says he kind of wants to go back early and Emmett convinces him not to. So the scene then changes to Edward going to Bella's house um, to watch her when he's back from the hunting trip. He brought oil to grease the window. Jesus Christ. That's premeditated right there, honey. Yep. And um, he goes in and notices that um, she's looking tired. So he's wondering, you know, what kind of weekend she's had. And it's interesting reading it from our point of view because we know that she has just found out that he's a vampire. I was dying. I... Like, I'm I'm just trying to put myself in Edward's shoes. Like, my crush is looking really tired right now. Like, I hope she had an okay weekend. You know, I hope, I wonder what she was up to. And my crush is like, oh my fucking God, Edward Cullen is a vampire. Oh my God, the Cullens are vampires. Oh, like, he has no idea. He has literally no idea. And I love that. <laughs> Yes, I feel like this is the night where she put on that Lincoln Park CD and passed out with it. Yep, I mean, we find out that it was that night because he later goes into the forest and is like, she was out here. I What was she doing out here recently? It literally was that night. <laughs> yes, it's hilarious. Um, So he's just kind of sitting there thinking about her, listening to her talk in her sleep about her mom. Um, and all the questions he wants to ask her about her weekend, you know, hoping that she had a nice time. He has a moment, and this is so ironic. He has a moment of fear where he's like, oh my gosh, she wasn't with, at first speech with the Quileutes. Like, what if she talked to one of the tribal elders and she knows the truth? And then he literally says, no, the Quileutes were perhaps the one thing I did not have to worry about. LMAO! <laughs> another, another fun, um... What's that thing in literature where the audience knows something that the characters on stage don't know? Dramatic irony. So much dramatic irony. <laughs> I call it the, like, office moment, like, staring at the camera. <laughs> yeah. Which is not the same, but that's what it reminds me of. 
I 100% think that way because I'm sitting here as an audience member like, oh, honey, you don't, have you seen that meme where it's like an old woman and she's like, I sent you this, (laughs) I sent you that, it turned you onto this meme and now you're turning it back on me. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Please explain to the to the guests. I'm sure we've talked about it on the pod, but just give them just give them the lowdown. It's from like this weird audition tape that somehow got released on the internet. So there's a bunch of different people in it, but um, the most famous one is this old older lady in a pink shirt, and she says, "Honey, you've got a big storm coming." <laughs> I can picture her face. 100% clearly in my brain. Yes, she's an icon. <laughs> um, so the sun begins to rise. Edward is upset because he knows he'll have to skip school for the next two days because the sun's going to be out. Um, and that's when he discovers what Paige just mentioned, um, that she had been in the woods. And it's funny that he's like, I can't ask her about this. So Bella, I was following your scent through the woods after I left your room. Just some minor breaking and entering. No need for worry. I was exterminating spiders. Yes, that would be quite the icebreaker. It makes me think of, like, when when you're on a date with someone and you know all of this personal information about themselves, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I have I have family who live in Massachusetts," and you're like, "Oh, you mean Aunt Susan and Aunt Carol who live in Fitchburg?" Like, the, all of the the digging that you've done, but you can't you can't let them know. You can't let them know that they've that they've done that. You know. <laughs> It's true, like, um, you ask them if they, like, what's the, their favorite place they've ever been to, and they say Mexico, and you're like, oh, Cabo 2017. <laughs> like, <laughs> I saw, I don't know if it was a TikTok or just an image, and it was like, like, when you, cl- when you click on your camera roll to, like, pull up a meme to show your date, and the very first photo is, like, their profile picture from some social media that you've clearly saved onto your phone to either look at or send to someone else. That has not happened to me, thank God. Thank God. That actually has happened to me, but in my defense, um, I was trying to think, this one guy that I went on a couple dates with many years ago, he looked just like this one celebrity, but I did not know anything the celebrity was in, and I did not know what his name was. I just knew what he looked like, so I saved a photo to do like a, what celebrity do you look like photo comparison to see if I could then find the celebrity, and then I later like went on a date with him and opened my camera roll, and that that photo was in there and it had to be like, look, let me explain. And when I, I had found the celebrity, I knew exactly who it was. He was like, I, I do look a lot like that person. I understand. So it was fine. Maybe, but. <laughs> who was the celebrity? Do you remember? Um, It's the guy from Workaholics who has the really curly hair. I don't know what his name is. Never saw Workaholics. Well. Well. Anyway, um, so the chapter kind of ends with Edward being glad that Peter and Charlotte are in town because now he has to fulfill the role of Bella's protector, so he has a reason to be around her. Did you have any notes from this chapter that we didn't cover? Oh my god, I mean, we we covered this, but for the bottom of 155, where Edward is like, what, what kind of did she have what was she at what was she up to I literally wrote in all capital letters oh boy you have no idea (laughs) 
That's hilarious. Um, it looks like I, it looks like we got over everything, or we went over everything, so I think I'm good. Oh, wait, here's something. On page 152, it's when, um, Edward is talking to Emmett about all of the things that can happen to humans and cause them danger, and he's talking negatively about all these things, and he says something to the extent of, and what about burglaries and homicides? And I'm like, have you not considered that, like, all of the people that you killed and all of the people that your family killed are people like Bella who had people who loved them and cared for them and all of the people who were hurt by all of the exploitative things that you've done and your family have done. Like he's talking so negatively about all of these things that could happen to other people. It's like, you've done some of these things. So like, can you really judge? I'm astral projecting, but in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh damn. Homicides. Um, Pretty sure you first agreed a lot of people, Edward. Pretty sure, but that's none of my business. It is our business. My soul just did that thing where it came out of my body like that meme, but it actually just floated straight down to hell. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> <sighs> so the next chapter opens up um, with Edward watching Bella while she's at school, and he realizes that Mike Noon, sorry, my back, which is like in a very specific way. <laughs> um, he realizes that Mike Newton is going to ask Bella out again. And he's watching, he's sitting in the woods watching this all happen. And this is the whole moment where we had a whole speech towards Mike where we were like, give it up, pal. Give up the ghost. <laughs> get it, get it. Oh my God. I didn't plan that. Um, so Bella obviously ends up shooting him down. When he, when Mike puts a piece of hair behind Bella's ear, fucking Edward, he rips out another tree. I literally wrote, the amount of foliage that this boy destroys is actually insane. Look, the earth is trying to heal from humanity and you're not helping. Yep. Also, please realize that this is not an okay reaction. You don't own this girl. I am going to put this out there, though. I mean, I don't know what Bella's own feelings are. I mean, maybe. Maybe I do know. Maybe I just don't remember what she thought. But if Joe Schmo, who has a crush on me, who I'm kind of friends with, but I don't have feelings for him, touched my hair, I would feel really uncomfortable and I wouldn't like it. So knowing that there was someone who was watching and was like, I'm not okay with that. I, I do I do like that he saw that that was not appropriate for him to do. I mean, I don't know if Bella was okay with it. I don't know. I can't remember what her reaction was to that action, but his Edward's own reaction is very loud. <laughs> But I'm glad that he does see, like, that probably wasn't okay. Like, I mean, his reaction is because he's jealous. But it also wasn't an okay thing for Mike to be doing in the first place, I feel like. Yeah, I agree. I just feel like he's reacting that way for the wrong reasons, you know? I agree. I agree. And I think Bella cringes when he does. Yikes. Yikes is right. Um, so at that point, Bella kind of turns Mike around to Jessica, 
and points out, you know, like, are you blind? And Mike has this really gross thing that Paige kind of alluded to earlier where he just basically switches the two girls out in his gross fantasies about them. And, you know, it's like, Jessica has bigger boobs than Bella's and like all this stuff. It's just gross. So Edward actually stops looking into his mind at that point. It's which one I do. I do appreciate that because there's no point in watching that. There's no con there's no um, content there, but I would say that there are definitely some, some people out there and some men out there who would do this and some 17 year olds who would do this but it just kind of makes me sad because I feel like there are some men out there and some 17 year olds who who don't think like this and I don't know, just having the one teenage male n- normal human male person be represented like this is just kind of a bummer to me I'm just like I know that there are some good people out there and it's just kind of sad to think that, like, this is what is represented as the entirety of it all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you have Eric and Tyler also, like, jonesing for Bella. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's a bummer. So when Bella gets home from school, she has, you know, the plans canceled to go to Port Angeles to the next day because Jessica and Mike are going to go go out on a date. And so this is the time when Bella goes outside and tries to read some Jane Austen stories and, you know, get her mind off of Edward. And all the books have, like, Edward or Edmund in them, and she gets super pissed and just ends up falling asleep outside. (laughs) How, I made a note of this, how is Edward so oblivious? I, it is kind of shocking to me how oblivious he is in this. Like, he even says... I think in Midnight Sun, because I think it's from his perspective that it's really nice now in the 21st century, because no one is named Edward. Like, back in the day, there were so many Edwards, and, like, it was, like, when you would hear people say Edward in their brain, he would be like, what? But it's not actually him. It's a different Edward. But now it's like a completely rare name. So when you when you think about Edward, it's like, oh, you mean Edward Cullen? Like... The fact that he's like, he literally says the word Edward. He he says, oh, the character named Edward. And he has no comment about it. I'm just like, how are you so oblivious to what's going on? Like, he doesn't, he doesn't, even if he was oblivious to what Bella is feeling, it seems like, like, if there's ever a character named Paige in a story, that's the first thing I think about. That's the first thing that I comment on. Like, oh, Paige, cool name, you know? Like, I, he has nothing to say about it. I'm like, Bro, are you, are you dumb? Because the next thing is Edmund, which sounds a lot like Edward. It has a lot of the same letters and just the same sounds. I'm just like, how do you not, how do you not even have maybe an inkling of what Bella is feeling right now? I'm, you know, sometimes vampires are impressive, but sometimes they are not. (laughs) The dumb bitch juice, right? (laughs) It's like Edward has had to relate not rely, but Edward has used his, his brain, his thought reading thing for so long that using his actual brain is no longer a thing. His brain muscles have atrophied. So now when he has to actually use his brain to try and decipher what Bella is doing, he has literally no idea how to do it because he's never done it before. (laughs) I'm dead. 
I agree with all that. However, I will say I'm glad that he's oblivious. It's way better alternative to me than being like, she must be thinking about me. She must be dreaming about me at all times. Like, thank God it's this instead of that. You're right. You're you're 100% right. As an audience member, I'm I'm very glad. And as someone who's hypercritical of Edward, as we can see, I'm very glad. But I'm just picturing if it were me, I I don't know how I wouldn't kind at least have at least have like maybe that's what's happening kind of an idea. Like it just is dumb. <laughs> yep. Dumb. Um so yeah, Paige just summed it up nicely for me. I don't even really have to do it. <laughs> Bella ends up falling asleep when she gets frustrated about this. And I actually noticed the double meaning this time that you've been noticing. So on page 163, um, right in the middle, there's a paragraph describing what Bella looks like when she's sleeping in the yard. And it says, the afternoon passed and I watched, feeling helpless again as the sun slowly sank in the sky and the shadows crawled across the lawn toward her. I wanted to push them back, but of course the darkness was inevitable. The shadows took her. When the light was gone, her skin looked too pale, ghostly. Her hair was dark again, almost black against her face. So I thought they're just that this chapter is just kind of playing off of like Edward is the ghost, but Bella's also kind of the ghost in his life, haunting him, you know? Oh yeah, 100%. Um, so then Charlie arrives home and my note for this is just all caps, Charlie, and then asterisk sobbing because Edward makes an observation that it's really interesting watching them interact because the exact words are, um, his love and concern for his only child were nearly overwhelming and yet his words were always terse and casual. Most of the time they sat in companionable silence. So cute. It's so dad. Like. I mean, my own dad is very reserved and very quiet and does not show emotion at all. But I know that there's stuff deep down, you know, I know that he has feelings in there, but it's just so it's just a dad thing to just not have that, especially a a hyper masculine. My dad is a sheriff. You know, my dad is, you know, this guy, this male figure in the town, you know, so I can 100% see that as a characteristic or a character trait for Charlie. Yeah, me too. So cute. Um, so Edward ends up leaving when Bella falls asleep so that, you know, he can like kind of change his clothes or whatever. Um, and then the next day of school is literally just a paragraph, um, because, It's just basically the exact same as the day before. Um, Although he notices his favorite blue blouse that he's so fucking obsessed with that she's wearing. (laughs) Um, So Edward decides to go home to get his car so that he can follow the girls to Port Angeles. And Peter and Charlotte are there. Um, So we meet them. So at this point, what did you think of them? It's pretty short interaction, so there's not a whole lot. What were your impressions of these two? They're pretty neutral, honestly. I didn't get too much of a they're good or they're bad kind of a thing. The fact that they're invited and spend time and are welcome in the Cullen household leads me to think that they're at least characters that I should like, or at least have sort of a positive attitude about at this point. Um, And there's the little description about what's going on with Jasper and uh, Peter and the Maria situation. So 
if anything, it just made me want to know more. I just, I'm eager to find out more because of, of the Cullens, I wanted to know the most about Alice and Jasper. They were the two most ambiguous characters, the ones with mysterious backstories. And we get Alice's at the end of Twilight, but you still really don't know a lot about Jasper. So this just even, it just made me more intrigued about what we're going to find out about it because we already know well, it's kind of, it's kind of, they're from an area that's at war. There's a lot of fighting going on, but we don't know why. And now we're getting that there's hostilities and that someone wanted to kill Jasper. But again, I don't know why. So I just really just want to know more. Yeah, definitely. It was crazy for me reading this because I was like, ooh, Paige is going to be like, so her interest is going to be piqued by this. Um, so yeah, let's just talk briefly about what is brought up. Um, so as Peter and Charlotte are leaving, Jasper says, if you see Maria again, tell her I wish her well. And then Edward explains to the audience, Maria was the vampire who had created both Jasper and Peter, Jasper in the latter half of the 19th century. So before Edward was a vampire, Peter more recently in the 1940s, she looked Jasper up once when we were in Calgary. It had been an eventful visit. We'd had to move immediately, which again, I don't, that's all that's ever said about it. Um, Jasper had politely asked her to keep her distance in the future. And then Peter says, I don't imagine we'll cross paths soon. Edward um, explains, Maria was undeniably dangerous and there was not much love lost between her and Peter. Peter had, after all, been instrumental in Jasper's defection. Jasper had always been Maria's favorite. She considered it a minor detail that she had once planned to kill him. So I guess, I know you kind of just talked about it, but do you have any theories on like how Peter, you know, was instrumental in Jasper's defection? what Maria's deal might have been that she wanted to kill Jasper. Do you have any theories? Honestly, I don't. If I'm trying to come up with something off the top of my head, Jasper maybe had wanted to leave, but didn't know how. And Peter was there to help him. It Like it couldn't, he couldn't have gotten out without Peter's help in some way. And maybe Maria knew about it and would rather have Jasper dead than have him leave. That I don't honestly really have any theories, but I could, I could justify the theory. I just said it in my head a little bit. Yeah, that makes total sense. I like that. I have a question for you. Maybe I'm just misunderstanding the content but it just doesn't really make sense to me. So I was under the assumption that Jasper was a newer vampire than the like all the other Cullens because he seems to have less control. But it it says here that he's turned in the latter half of the 19th century, which is like the 1800s, which is before Edward. So is it just because he's from a different sort of breed of family that he has less control? He's the newest one on the vegetarian diet, so he has less control. Is that what's going on? Yes. Edward explains at one point, I think in Twilight, that Edward or Jasper is the newest to this way, this way of life that we lived. Okay. Yeah, I think my brain just autofill that to be like Jasper's the newest vampire not necessarily that he's the newest of the family that's they're on this special sort of path right yeah and it, I think it was worded ambiguously so it makes sense that you were confused but you'll get a little bit more information on why it's so hard for for him when you learn more about his backstory mm -hmm. well I mean if you've been eating cheeseburgers all your life and then suddenly now you gotta eat celery 
you're gonna you're gonna miss the cheeseburgers that's all i'm gonna say yep that's true is that the bookmark i gave you oh my gosh yes <laughs> love it um, I also wanted to point out one quick thing. I think it's so hilarious when um, Peter is like noticing how weird and like kind of out of touch and like not caring Edward is. And he says, it must be the, or he thinks, it must be the animals. The lack of human blood drives them mad eventually. <laughs> so funny to me. I just like, it does, are, does no one else? I, I When I read that, I was like, I get it. But like everyone else in the family is seemingly normal. So like, I don't know if that theory holds up. Yeah, it has no bearing in scientific fact or theory at all. Like, I'm like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> so funny. Um, so the chapter ends with Edward taking off in his car towards Port Angeles. Um, the last sentence is, it was a relief to be in motion to know that I was getting closer to Bella with every mile that flew away under my tiles. Tiles? Tires. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Did you have any notes from this chapter that we didn't cover? I have a note and then I have a, a point. I'll just do the point first because it just happened. But I didn't really realize until reading this that I didn't realize why Edward was in Port Angeles to save Bella. In my head when we read Twilight, I just thought that he knew something bad was happening and like came to rescue her. And now reading this, I'm like... He didn't know nothing bad was happening. He was just fucking there because he got nothing else to do but just watch her. And I'm like, I mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate that you were there to help. But realizing the whole reason why you're there to help just ruins it for me. Yeah, good point. <laughs> and I, to be fair, it worked out exactly how he wanted it to because... Like I said, if he wasn't there, something bad would have happened. He he has been watching her because he's just thought that maybe something bad's gonna happen, and then of course something bad does happen. I can't I can't be mad because he did something good, but I'm just like I I feel conflicted. So I'm just gonna leave it at that. I feel conflicted, period. The only other thing I have, and this is not serious at all, but on page 163, Bella is dreaming. And she says something to the extent of like, oh, Edmund, she says it in her sleep. And he has a meltdown. He's like, she doesn't like me at all. Like, wh who was I? She said my name in her sleep, but like, she's having dreams about fictional characters right now. So like, what was, what was that even about? I mean, for all I know, she, she's imagining Hugh Grant in a cravat. He says that literally word for word. I'm she I'm sure she's just in love with Hugh Grant in a cravat and basically I had to look it up and a cravat is just like a nice tie kind of a thing like if you look up cravat you will recognize the look but it's just it's it's a tie sort of a look and I'm just it's just so funny to me to think like whoever whoever your crush is has an idea in their head of the hottest guy and what he's wearing. And for Edward, the hottest guy is Hugh Grant in a cravat. I just love that. I mean, he's not wrong. That does sound very attractive. But just hearing those words come out of Edward's mouth makes me LOL. I love that you looked it up because I also was wondering what it was, but did not take the initiative to look it up. I was like, I'm just going to keep it moving. <laughs> for some reason, my brain was like, it looked pro it's probably like a beret. 
which I was like, Hugh Grant in a beret? Like, that just sounds silly, but it's not even close to a beret. I don't know why, but I was picturing, and maybe just because we're reading Twilight, but you know in Dracula how he has, like, that really high collar? Like a cape sort of a thing? Yeah, that's what I was picturing. I don't know why Hugh Grant would be wearing that. (laughs) Is the popped collar for Dracula, like, almost ironic? Because it protects your neck. But if you're a vampire, you don't need to protect your neck. Yeah, I feel like it is. It does have a dash of irony, yes. Interesting. Is this why Edward Cullen wears a turtleneck in the infamous meadow scene? He doesn't wear a turtleneck in the meadow scene. He wears like a sleeveless weird shirt in the meadow scene he wears a turtleneck in port angeles when they go to dinner he's wearing a turtleneck as we speak oh my fucking god you're so right you are so right (laughs) we got turtleneck coming for you next week Paige. (laughs) i'm so excited call clinton kelly and stacy london we are going to witness a literal episode of what not to wear edward cullen edition (laughs) i love that so speaking of which, um, the next chapter is called Port Angeles. So obviously, you know what's going down. So my question for you this week is like, do you have any predictions on like how this scene is going to be different from Edward's point of view? Like, what are you expecting? Well, I do remember when we talked about this from Twilight, you kind of, you said that you sort of have a different take on it after reading it from Midnight Sun. So I imagine that it's going to be a little scarier seeing the intentions of the men from Edward's point of view, because he can see what people are thinking. He can see, and I can only imagine that he's going to be driving, you know, minding his own business. And he's going to see like Bella walks by those guys before anything happens. She's like doing her own thing. And then she comes back to them at some point, right? Like she, she crosses them at one point and then she crosses them at, or she sees them a second time. So I'm picturing the first time she crosses them is when Edward is going to realize, or he's going to see the bad things brewing. And I just, it's going to be, it's I feel like this chapter is going to be worse in not necessarily like a literature way, but just in a content way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's all we got for you today, folks. Thanks as always for listening. We love you. We appreciate you. Um, we're on social media. We've gotten a few follows lately. So welcome to our new followers. If you're listening, love that. Um, so our Tumblr and our Instagram is Tuesdays are for twilight. Our Twitter is Taft pod T A F T pod. Come give us some love on Twitter. Um, I'm the only one who has a Twitter account out of the two of us. So I would love to hear from you. And you can always email us any feedback or any ideas at TuesdaysAreForTwilight at gmail.com. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash TuesdaysAreForTwilight. Paige, you got anything else for the folks? Stay hydrated. Rock on. (laughs) We'll see you. Oh, my God. I didn't even say. We're we're just reading um, Chapter 9, Port Angeles, next week for all all of you following along and reading with us. All right, that really is it. We'll see you next week for Chapter 9 of Midnight Sun. Bye, guys. Bye.
Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. Mm-hmm.